and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we want to get to know you. Well, <laughs> we want you to get to know us. We have been apparently lacking in the... We've neglected to share ourselves with you. Getting you. Yeah. <laughs> getting to know you piece. Not and Lemuel was feeling like that was a missing thing. So, Lemuel, what have you been up to? Um... I, and then you're going to come up and say nothing, and I'm going to be like, what the fuck are we doing here? And then you'll hear the sounds of me having like Murdered. a... Murdered. A Coke Zero can thrown at my head, and that's the end of my life. It's full. Um, I'm not wasting it. I almost attended the Pride Parade in... Oakland Pride? Oakland Pride, last week. And then I didn't quite... But I was invited, and I was going to be a um, LGBTQ, etc., uh, ally. Ally. Well, you are. Well, now. I am, but I was actually going to physically be out there <laughs> just keeping my eye ally. out and, and making sure that nothing happened to my friends. But as it turned out, that wasn't necessary. That was my thought, too, when right. she said that she wanted you to go with them as, like, protection. Right. I was like, well, as soon as she gets to the, Inside the area, area closed, you don't really hopefully, <laughs> I would hope that she would feel comfortable and right. safe. If not, Oakland is doing some things wrong. And Oakland did some things right, because apparently it was really fun, but yeah. the, the Our was, Pride Parade is very late, the middle right. of September or something. I was ready that morning, I was doing knuckle push-ups, I was, you know... <laughs> Dressed had, in all black, had, very <laughs> prideful. I had my, yes, I would have stood up, I had my training montage in the back of my head, and, but no... Wasn't necessary, but I am available <laughs> to be an ally in the future. So, well, yes, our house is a is a safe haven right. for yes whomever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you do? What did you get up to? What did I get up what to? Kind what kind of mischief have I did been, you get up to? I have been doing uh, very many paper crafts. Now, explain to our our. our I was going to say our viewers. People who are looking at their screen right now, there's nothing on there. There's nothing on there. <laughs> right. Some dinosaurs, if you're lucky. Dinosaurs. Always good. But explain to our listeners what the paper craft is. So I like crafting mm-hmm. and baking and things like that. And she's very good at it. I hold no... I, I Things don't hold my interest for a long, unfortunately. I get very into things, and then I stop doing them suddenly. So my current thing that I'm very into is it's called quilling. Q-U-I-L-L-I-N-G. And it involves a porcupine. No porcupine. Okay. No. Um, But it was named because of using a pin or a needle mm-hmm. to twist. Okay. So that's where uh, the quilling paper. thing comes in. But it's, yeah, it's filigree paper. It's using strips of paper and sheets of paper to make I mean, I guess we'll say art, quote unquote art. You have a little yes, I have button. an example, a button that she created today. And if you look closely at your screen, you won't see it because it's in my it. hand, and this is audio. <laughs> yes, no, that is one of the body segments of a dragonfly that I'm making for a birthday present. So Part I'm of doing the a kindness couple of armor birthday presents, and. Then once I'm done with those, I don't know what I'm going to do. A dinosaur. Maybe a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on these things. They uh, are very fine work, very detailed. But they don't take a lot of stuff. It's paper and glue. 
So this is something you could recommend to other people who have the patience. For sure. To. If you are looking for a paper craft or a craft, right. um, this is a pretty easy one. I thought it was going to be way harder because the was end results are very impressive. They're beautiful and elaborate, and it really it's to those who haven't seen what this looks like, and I recommend going online and taking a look Just at the Google, pictures. Just Google, yeah, quilling. Um, it looks almost like it's knit. You're knitting with paper and creating mm -hmm. this sort of textured effect, but on a very small scale. It's very small. So it's, That's the thing. You know. It looks, especially on the internet, mm -hmm. I, was, I didn't understand how small everything really was. It's little things. It's, you know, 12 by 12 at the most... For, for a full piece. Uh, you could do bigger, but it would take extreme amounts of paper. and So we're not. We're doing yeah, small, it, small it, things. It's, um, it's elaborate and it's very textured. Yeah. And very fine and small. So I, I yeah. appreciate that about it. It's, so I'll post yeah. some pictures when I'm done Please with do. things as I get done with things. I posted a couple of pictures on my Facebook page. Uh, but and I haven't posted some stuff that I'm doing because, as I said, it's a git. So I give those gifts at the beginning of October, and then I'll post pictures of them. And then um, I might try and do something podcast-related. That's sort of my next thought. That's interesting. I'd uh, like to see it. Well, of course, I will see that. You I will, because I'll will hang over I'll your be shoulder. making it over in that corner. Not in a creepy, creepy way either. And the other current thing is I have four cans of pumpkin puree in the pantry, <laughs> so there uh, will definitely be some baked goods of the autumn variety coming up. Yes, and I'm looking forward to that, too. So, that's basically my life. Also, you know, work, but pish. And we're prepping for PodCon. Nobody is, I mean, you live, you work to live, you don't live to work. You know, it's like when people ask you what you do, I always wonder why is that a question that you, you ask? Because it's really not, unless it's something that you're passionate about, it's something right. that you do. Right, and to a lot of people enjoy. are passionate about right. what they're doing. Uh, right now, I'm fortunate enough that the work that I'm doing is allowing me to do these other things, including mm -hmm. this right here, and editing and things like that, and then also the art. I hesitate to say art, crafting. It's. It's art. I know. I, I went with a friend of mine, a regular listener who won't be named because they know who they are. And uh, it's we, a secret. we went to go see. Uh, we, we, we were visiting Pescadero. We dropped by this big kind of um, arts and crafts fair. And it's, it's really. I, I don't know where the line is. That's the thing. Right. I, for me, mm -hmm. for me to call something my, uh, that I make mm -hmm. art. I feel like it needs to be more original than what a lot of what I do is. A lot of what I'm doing, especially because I stay at the beginning stages of learning a craft, mm -hmm. is copying, Right. is uh, finding things that I really like and trying to figure out how to do them. So until I start designing my own stuff, I could maybe move that so into being calling that an art to me. We were so, and that's uh -huh. only um, a delineation I put on myself. Because we were looking at everything that ranged from these really beautifully done handcrafted bowls mm -hmm. and cutlery. Just It's very interesting because, again, it's a seashore town to people making 
sand paintings on a pane of glass, right. you know, or crushed up seashells and making designs that way. And you're going, when does it cross that line from art yeah. to... So, yeah, it's, it's always been a question for me. It's a I really feel like one. I'm crafting mm-hmm. pieces of art because I'm never going to probably also be comfortable calling myself an artist. Mm-hmm. Which is a pity because you are. Well, that's fine. This mm-hmm. is a fight we're not going to have. But mm-hmm. it's just, it, that feels better than I am. That's I I don't know. Are we, have we answered the therapy part of the episode? We'll because, fight later. But that's what that's so sort of I I sort of stick to the the mm. my self description as craft, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, so, I, it was a question that I have about yep. it every time that I confront this. So let's talk about a movie. A movie, which would be Miracle at Santa Santa Anna. It's it's. it's got to be Santa Anna. It's It's in Italy. It's got to be Santa Anna. So this is the 2008 Uh, Spike Lee, World War II, epic film. I'm going to let, I'm going to take a back seat on the synopsis rundown on this one because, okay, so this movie is real long. It's very long and very plot heavy. It is, and I would argue not told particularly well. Now mm-hmm. we'll get into right. We'll get into the thoughts and feel feelings, but um, so I'm going to actually lean heavily on Lemuel to get us through this plot. Um, what this we week. open with is 1983, which I don't know. Did we know it was 1983? I think we. I don't remember if that was a credit that flashed. We on get the a. We get a at the end when we're back in the present. It's a. It's a. Right. What's the word I'm looking at? Frame narrative. Right. We get a title that says 1984. and I, But the whole time, right, right at the beginning, I was mm. like, okay, I'm seeing neon sneakers and also people acting like it's the 60s. Like, go standing in line at a post office for mm. a very long time. But I guess that was also the early oh, 80s. Oh, that was the 80s. I remember because I used to have to do yeah. deliveries for... So that was... Company. I was confused about right. time, but it turns out 1983. So there is an aged uh, postal officer who's sitting at his window and the succession of people are coming up and... All he does at his window is sell stamps. And that's the shock beginning. All he does at his window is sell stamps. A person... Shows up at the window, he recognizes them, immediately pulls out a German pistol and shoots the man in the chest. And that's how the film opens. Um, this man who has been sitting at work mm-hmm. all day, this day and presumably previous days, with a gun. With a Luger. Just yeah, waiting for someone to show up, <laughs> right. apparently. Well, we'll Problem number one I have with the film. Go ahead. Now, the problem that I have with the film manifests very quickly, which is we're suddenly introduced to a bunch of characters who really don't matter to the rest of the film. Um, And that you think they're going to be more important than they are. And this is... Oh yeah, I guess a rookie reporter and a detective, and that's and they are important. And it's like famous ass people. John Turturro is the detective. Uh Joseph Gordon Levitt Levitt is Is our intrepid reporter. reporter. And so you think that they're going to be a big part of this film, and Joseph Gordon Levitt is pushing this because he does obituaries and he does you know he's very young and he gets he says this is my first day as a real reporter. So playing Jimmy Olsen apparently in this movie. And so he winds up um, going to interview this man, wondering why in the hell, after 
a decorated veteran who got a Purple Heart. Well, he gets to go... I was watching this movie, I swear, but I don't remember exactly Mm -hmm. why he got an in to go with the detectives to the house, the apartment of the perpetrator. Right, the apartment of the person, oh, oh, which, and that's a point that I just missed because there is so much plot to this movie. There's a lot. They find a severed human head. No, no. Not really. Well, I mean, yes, but they no. They find a figure of a It's severed, a marble head. A marble head. Marble head. This is not an Anne Rand novel. This nope. is an actual marble head. Don will not be breaking on this right. marble head. <laughs> no, <laughs> very good. I'm sorry. I'm just like, wow. She always impresses me. I, she does. So, um, so they finds this marble head in the closet, which it turns out is part of a bridge. There's a figurehead on this bridge. It's over 450 years old and worth a great deal of money. And it's sitting in the bottom of this closet. The head of the Primavera. Right. So now we have these bits and pieces of a mystery. We have this mysterious man, this post office worker who's very silent about shooting someone in the chest, someone he recognized. We have a marble head that belongs to the Italian government stuck inside the bottom of a closet, and a decorated veteran who is four, de- four days away from he retiring. Is, yes, he's very um, close to retiring. And he just shot somebody. And he is decorated with a purple heart, which right. means, of course, he was wounded in battle. So now we're, the question is, why did he do this? And he's not telling anybody. Oh, he also has the Distinguished Service Cross and a Silver Star. Right, so he's very decorated. And then we, the entire rest of the story comes in a flashback. Here's problem number two with the film that you might have, Amity will probably get into too, is that there are any number of flashbacks. There are flashbacks within flashbacks within flashbacks in this film. And there's not a lot of delineation in style. There's not even a tiddly, tiddly, tiddly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing. Sometimes you're abruptly in the middle of a flashback within a flashback. And... And that even the flashback is handled a little bit the way that you're frustrated with the first people we see are not the people we care about. Right. In the flashback, the first people we see are not the people that we no, care about. That's kind of, there's a weird bait and switch because we're seeing a group of uh, African-American soldiers, which is the... the 92nd Infantry Division. It's Buffalo Italy. soldiers. Well, they call them Buffalo soldiers. In 1944, and they're crossing a river. And there's a very long scene. But the first people we mm-hmm. see aren't the ones right. crossing the river. It's the other ones back at a base who are being led by a new white dude. Who does not seem very bright or very open-minded. Yeah. And so um, they're crossing a river, and we're just trained, we're, we're, we in, are introduced to one of the characters, this enormous character named... Uh, Train. Private Sam Train, Sam who's Train. about the size of a boxcar. That's, that's what I think is really dude. fitting. He's Lenny in this yes, story. Yes, he is. For the purposes He's of our story. a simple man. And there's like, a... Like, the army should have said, no, thank you. Right, but given the fact that he probably could lift a water buffalo on his shoulders, He's that's why strong. the army wants it. Yeah. Uh, but we have three... Um, characters that we're really going to be following uh, Sergeant Aubrey Stamp, Sergeant Bishop Cummings, and Private Sam Train. Ooh, Bishop Cummings, that's Michael Ely. Uh-huh. He's real gross in this movie, y'all. Yeah, and it's funny And also, they call him Bishop, but his last name is Cummings. They would call him Cummings. They wouldn't call him Bishop. It's just aggravating when that happens yeah. in movies like this. So, yeah. That's true. Now, they're crossing this river. They're listening to a broadcast um, 
It's meant to discourage them, a German broadcast. Yeah, the the German version of Tokyo Rose right. is how she's, she's well, described. She's described with a, a word that's not German. And she basically doesn't really have to lie very much. Nope. <laughs> she's basically like you know, those white men don't give a fuck about you. Why are you? Why are you? Nazis don't have anything, any problem with black people. That's where the lie comes lie. in. Right? That is a lie. That's lying part. Falsehood. But other than that, she basically lays out a lot of facts about this. Your, isn't your fight. Right, they don't give a fuck fight. about you. Your you fodder. Know, and then saying really horrible things like, "Well, while you're here at, on the war, freezing, they're sleeping in their warm beds, and they're also raping your wife and your sons." Ooh, so that's it's, right. It really, it's horrible. Yeah, she's. A piece of work. And that scene goes on. It goes on. And they just keep crossing this river forever. I felt like I was crossing it with them. And then, uh, very abruptly, we learn that, because their, their mission was to cross this river to get to these villages on the other side, and then we're suddenly in the middle of a firefight. Yep. Um, uh, the, uh, our sergeant stamp calls for backup artillery to lay fire down in this direction because they want to be covered. And uh, the officer in charge, whose name I don't remember. Noakes. Noakes. Captain Noakes. Refuses to lay the... Uh, he doesn't believe he doesn't that believe they them. are where he says they are. He asks them repeatedly while they're under fire and they're being shot at at this mm-hmm. time. They're being slaughtered. Slaughtered. This is a, they're really We go scene. from seeing probably 25, 30 guys mm-hmm. in this regiment. Right. We end up with five. Right. And if, if Saving Private Ryan was too violent for you, this is going to also be yeah, it's flying arms, violent. flying it's, legs. It's really. different because their styles are different, Right, but it is violent. There's something very strange, and I want to bring it up at this point now, that it, I feel like Spike Lee might have been really affected by shooting in Italy because he composes everyone like a statue. Yeah. In this film, there are scenes, the, the corpses of the soldiers in the river are shot in these ways where they look mm-hmm. like saints from frescoes. But I also think he wants yeah. them to look like saints and martyrs. Right. I think that that That's is also part of the point, but it really, it, it's almost as if shooting in these environments really put an image in his mind mm-hmm. that he was trying to capture. And you can, all, you can see it because the, there's recognizable actors, which is why it's really disturbing when you see the scene in the river. Because you don't know the, the characters well enough to know who's going to come out of this. No, yeah. And he cast it with enough familiar faces to where you're going, oh, yeah. that guy's going to make it? No, he doesn't make it. No, he doesn't make it. Like, right. oh, this is a familiar actor. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, he's not right. going to be in this movie. So the the film then follows their, um, their sort of getting to the other side of this river. They have mm-hmm. no support. They have no backup. Mm-mm. They fought their way past these Germans on the riverbank. Um and basically escaped getting shot. And then end up sort of behind enemy lines. Right, so they're behind enemy lines, and we're, for a while, following the adventures of um, Bishop and Private Sam Train. They see a moving haystack, they wonder what it is, it turns out to be a little boy who talks to his invisible friend. His name is Angelo, and his invisible friend's name is Arturo. Now, the problem is that Mr. Train, Private Train, is a very simple man, and so yeah, he believes... Yeah, he's, right. he's... We're talking about a gentle giant here. He is a very big man, right. but he's also probably got an IQ hovering around 80. Mm-hmm. He's not no. altogether, altogether. So he believes when he rescues this boy, the boy, for one thing, calls him his chocolate giant. and he does, so which far is... And licks him. And licks you him. Like you don't taste like chocolate, which is one of the great scenes. There are some. There's some really beautiful moments in this film. To me, that was one of them. It's like, and then he has no idea because he's heard myths about black people, 
and asked him to lift Yeah, he's the, never seen a black person. And later we mm -hmm. find out that Train mm -hmm. has never, never been as this close to a white person has never even touched one. Right. Or he's not even a dead one. He puts not it. even a dead one. So this boy believes that Train has a tail that he can lift the beams with. It's, that part is Sad. And Train rubs the the Primavera head, mm -hmm. this head of the statue that he's been carrying that around. That we saw earlier in and the And believes closet. that it will make him invisible and right. have the strength of five men. Right. And so he rubs the thing and he is able to lift the beam off of this little boy. Because they're attacked. Mm, they're being shelled. Yeah, shelled. And so um, the, the roof of this barn caves in on and him. At that point, a Nazi soldier runs in and Train starts yelling at him. You can't kill me. I'm invisible. Yeah. <laughs> As if somehow that's going to work, and it does. And I so mean, he goes. He believes it, and uh, you know, a man his size being invisible is kind of funny. But yeah. and yelling, I'm invisible. <laughs> yelling, I'm invisible. Also... Nothing's, you know. <laughs> that might be the scariest thing. Right. If you're just in an empty room and somebody yells, I'm invisible. Right. I might have a heart attack and die right. if that happened to me. Oh, I kind of want to get a ringtone now <laughs> right. and have that be my ringtone. But so they uh, the train forms a relationship with Angelo, yeah, um, and uh, they bond really quickly, and uh, then uh, train and Bishop wind up connecting, reconnecting with uh, Stamp, and um, another officer. Oh, good lord, I forgot his name. Well, Negron, he's right. the perpetrator from. Corporal Negron. Yeah. And he is our storyteller. He, yes, and he is the radio man. Right. But his radio doesn't work. And uh, he's an interesting character, too, because he is a black Puerto Rican. Yes. And so he distances and himself from... And is a uh, translator. And is a translator. He speaks several languages fluently. Um, but being, being a black Puerto Rican, he distances himself from... Parts of the conflict between the black soldiers because he's like, well, I'm Puerto Rican. This I'm is Puerto Rican, right? But he is a black Puerto Rican. And it's interesting so because what do the white people say? The black. In Spanish, the name Negron means black. Black, right, right. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. kind of yeah that that was not very subtle. So they wind up moving into an Italian village in the mountains of Tuscany, and they bond with the residents there. Yeah, so they they bring the boy, mm -hmm. and they're trying the the town people are trying to help the boy because they're and they're like, we got to get him to a hospital. You all can come. We'll evacuate you. And they're like, y'all, there are Germans literally everywhere. Yeah. There's no way we're gonna make it past their lines. We don't know how the fuck you got here, mm -hmm. but you are encircled by Germans. And there's several conflicts going on here at the same time. And this is one of the parts where the story gets overcomplicated. It's so many things. Because we're with the story of the black officers, we're also part of the story where D.B. Sweeney shows up for just a few scenes in this film. Yeah. As a man who's worked to try to, in, and Robert Burke, who's another um, Spike Lee favorite. Uh, he's about, great in all the things. And they're, and he, they're um, trying to use this unit to show the effectiveness of the black fighting man, basically. And some people are unconvinced that there actually can be soldiers. They want them to be cooks and cleaning up and, you know, cleaning the latrine and things. Yep. Then there's the story of the villagers in this village, an Italian family. There's a, a Renata who's played by the beautiful Valentina Servi. She is lovely. And, she makes poor choices. Right. And then there's her father. There's her. So there's just so many characters to keep track of. And then there's the great butterfly. Oh, yes. Uh, then we have... 
Italian freedom fighters. Italian partisans. They're partisans. Mm. So the Italians mm-hmm. are pro, like, at the head, mm-hmm. the Italians are enemy, right? Right. Well, at the at the beginning of the war, they were, and then they switched sides. There were partisans fighting for the, against the fascists for free Italy against right. the Nazis. So the right. people in the village just don't want a war. They don't want. But any they're not fascists. No. And then there are, yeah, basically freedom fighters mm-hmm. out in the woods who are uh, sort of not because the Italian military at this uh-huh. point is fighting with Germany, yes. right? Okay. And so these are Italian militia that right. are fighting against Germany. Yeah, oh, it was so confusing. very hard to keep track um, of what was going on and because there was so much going on with the characters, there's not just the larger historical picture. There's the, and then there's also the story of Nazis. There's a Nazi who's uh, run away from his... Um, a German deserter. And so everyone's oh, sorry, out looking that for was, him. I apologize to everyone. <laughs> and everyone's out looking for him. So there's all these balls in the air, so to speak. And then we're getting personal stories, like the fact that Bishop is kind of a sleazy jerk. And yeah, he's real gross. He's got a gold tooth. So that's not what makes him gross, but it certainly doesn't help. Right. He is constantly talking about pussy. He's ta- constantly giving Stamp crap, because Stamp mm-hmm. is like falling in love with Renata, mm-hmm. who is gorgeous, duh. And he feels at home here in a way that he's never felt at home right. because he doesn't feel black. He just feels like him. Right. Um, and that draws him to the people who just see him as him and aren't seeing him as other. Right. Uh, then Renata fucks the no, other dude. <laughs> this is where I felt like there was an artificial... Because there's the beginnings, it's not really a love triangle. What happens is that she shows every sign of being attracted to Stamp. Stamp, And then she winds up getting picked up by Bishop and they have wild sex in her house. I think if Stamp had made a move, she would have been all over that. But Stamp was not. At one point, she's changing her laundry and disrobes from the waist up. And he's trying not to look at her, but she's, I don't know, he's really conflicted about it. And she's standing there so that he can look at her. Right. And I, yeah, I, he if he'd uh, made a move, right? But he wasn't gonna make well, a move she because she earlier said, "I'm married," right? And he's a really decent guy, and so he's not. It's almost also see. chances are her husband, mm-hmm. real dead. Oh yeah, if he's in Russia, yeah, he's yeah. real dead. Um, but uh, so there's that conflict within him. So yeah. this other guy, but it was him. upsetting to me, right? Because she was a interesting character, mm-hmm. and her, I think. Her sleeping with the sleaziest mm-hmm. dude, yeah, who was sleazy to her and constantly hitting on her and too close and you know all of that right. gross male it behavior. Felt artificial. It yeah, like it, it was meant to add another layer of conflict to a story. Right. That and we also didn't really just need. like I don't buy it. Uh-huh. Like if this woman mm-hmm. was free with herself, and that's fine. I don't think that's where she ends up, though. I don't think yeah, she just fucking the fuck me, him. That was the part that was. I was just like, this is an unreal yeah. woman. Yeah. This is a per. This is 
this is a woman written by men who don't know how to write a woman. That's what it felt like. I'm not sure that's a character in the book, and there's more explanation. I don't Again, know. It's based on a book, so there's. there's it is based more... on a book written by a man, uh-huh. and the screenplay was adapted mm-hmm. by a man. So yeah. this man, not great at writing female characters. Also, this is not the only female character, but it's also the but it's the only female character who's not a crone. I mean, yeah. every other woman well, in this village is there are some, old. And again, there are really neat moments where we're introduced to Renata's, I guess it's her aunts. It's like there's one is half American, the other is half American. And yeah, they're both sisters. half American. Yeah. Together we make a whole American. And yeah. there's just a lot of neat little moments. You like the people in this village. Yes. Which makes everything Also, happens, we like the village. It's right. Gorgeous. The village is beautiful. So the, the story is also going back to the, sto- of the story of Hans Brunt, who is a deserter. Yes. And then it goes into another flashback. Yes. Which is about, which is based on a historical incident, the village of Santa Diana de Stalsema, where German officers, in this version of the story, and this is something that came into historical dispute when the film was made. Okay, gotcha. We don't um, know why this Right, we don't know why happened. we did it. Here it posits that there are, they believe there are partisans hiding in the village and that the villagers are hiding this information from them. So they line everyone up in front of the church, every man, woman, and child, and they... And by man, woman, and child, we need to make very clear that there are no men of fighting age in this group. This is old men and children. And a priest. And women. And a priest. And the priest These are civilians. These are not... Right. These are not soldiers in any way, shape, or form. One of them is a suckling child. At least one of them. Trigger warning: will be bayoneted by the end of this scene. Well, we don't see it, but we we see enough to know what's about to happen. Yeah, but they're just they mow down over five hundred people. Yeah, by starting with the priest getting Uh, shot in the head, and then they just Just slaughter these people. They slaughter everyone, and so uh, the reason why everyone's after Brunt, is that he helped the little boy who we know from earlier... Angelo. Angelo escape. And that's when we discover Angelo's backstory, that this Arturo that he talks to constantly is his dead friend. Brother, turns Brother. Out. Okay. Brother. Excuse me, brother. And so now you understand, that makes it even more tragic why he keeps talking to this other boy. This other boy. Um, that he sees everywhere. And yeah. that that's what leads a superstitious person like Mr. Train, Private Train, to believe that he's touched by God and he's seeing things. Right. Which may or may not be true by the end <laughs> right. of this film. So Brunt shows up with these freedom fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, Led by the butterfly. Rudolfo mm-hmm. is one of them. And the butterfly is one of them. And Stamp gets the... Or no, Negron gets the... Um, the thing working, the radio, the radio working. working. To communicate with, which so by the they way, say, right. you've got to pick up this German dissident, mm-hmm. and they, they end up running into them because they they come to the village for food, basically. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to come get you. But you've got to have this. You've got to go get, like, grab this Russian dissident, which conveniently, I guess, falls into their hands. The German deserter, you mean? The German deserter, yeah. Okay, so the German deserter gets captured... There's a struggle over who's going to take care of, you know, who gets the right to it. Because um, the white officer, who's a jerk, what's his name? Noakes. Noakes insists that they capture a German and interrogate him. And so when they find the partisans coming in with this German, they're like, okay, he's our German now. And they're like, no, no, he's our German. Right. And so there's a big fight over him. But then it turns out it doesn't matter because one of those um, partisans... 
kills him. Right. Now, is it true And then that also stabs, was it Negron in the neck? Stabs Negron in the neck. And then also yeah. kills the butterfly. So he's apparently the one that was supposed to turn over the butterfly at St. Anna. And didn't. Right, so they <laughs> kill the entire village and it's laid on him. Now, mind you, he's the person who we recognize, the person who gets shot at the beginning of the film. Yes. So we now know that... So this dude... Oh, mm-hmm. also, he has gone up and scouted and said that the way out is all clear. Uh, y'all, the way I was not the all truth clear. Is there is, as we say in Oakland, Hella Nazis. Hella Nazis. Hella Nazis. So many goddamn road. Nazis. And yeah, this is not a. Uh, this, this is like a fucking. So Nazi that movie. one dude, this dude yeah. also, has killed the German deserter that they needed to turn over to their bosses, has lied to them about the safety of the um, road. The, the, the road out and also the fact that there are people coming in, mm-hmm. has killed the um, partisan leader, leader and has stabbed uh, Negron in the neck. Yeah. Those are the things that this man has done so far. Right. <laughs> so now we're like, oh, that's why he done shot you. That's why you get, that's what gets you shot in the face in the post office. I don't All think right. he was shot in the face. I think or he was shot, shot in, in the, the chest. chest, I guess. I'm just... I, he should have shot him in the face. But I'm not sure how then he shot him in the chest. Captain Noakes arrives mm-hmm. and it's like, bring me the German. And then mm-hmm. they bring him a dead German. And he's like, why is this German dead? <laughs> right, which it, it winds up becoming almost comical. Like, well, this is a dead German. And, and he asks, well, that's the German he asks, we have. Stand, I don't... What happened? He goes, well, apparently, sir, someone, someone killed, killed him. him. Right. Because nobody knows. That's the thing. Right. Nobody, they found him dead out yeah. in, in the sort of outskirts. And then. Noakes tries to let the get well. Uh, she's he's trained. trying to collect the soldiers, and there's a yeah. Really, he's like, "Train, you need to leave this kid." And but the way he does it is like he's telling him there are good white soldiers sacrificing their life to get yeah, you. Yeah, because again, bad. right? It's he's just horrible. He tries to get a uh, um. But at least they're spitting in a water canteen, yes. so that's something. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're trying to get Angelo away from Train. Train refuses to give him up, and when they send someone to. Physically, Noakes doesn't want to do it. Noakes does not want no, to do it. No, he says go to Birdsong. Right. Captain Birdsong. <laughs> right. I was like, that's the best name. Birdsong versus he train. He go get that, that kid away from him, and Train scene. picks him up by his throat, <laughs> right. like a goddamn Hulk, <laughs> right? <laughs> and almost kills him. So, they leave him behind. They're all going to be court-martialed. Noakes gets back in his jeep. We'll, we'll, you'll learn. I'll show you. Right, but they're going to take the kid with them. At as this he's driving away, he gets shot All by a freaking Nazi. Hell breaks loose with an artillery shell. His jeep is just like explodes. Pieces. It's crazy, and so um, and so then begins this incredibly intense battle scene. Which spoiler, everyone gets everyone killed. dies. So here's this is a. Tuscan town built into the mountains, so all the streets are very narrow and recessed. So if you're running on a street, there's nowhere to go. Yeah, and the the Germans are up on the walls around the town. It's shooting fish in a barrel. It's there's no, there's it's a slaughter. Right. And everyone gets shot. No, everyone also, I have to say, except for um, 
Renato's father, who suddenly turns fascist. To he says, himself. I'm a fascist, I'm a fascist. And they still um, shoot him. Everyone in this film does a hell of a job fighting back. No one goes down, even even Bishop, who we do not like at all in No, this we film, don't like him. And he still, everyone struggles like hell to stay alive and to save what's left of the village. And yeah. what's really heartbreaking about this scene is that, and it goes on, is that uh, Stamp is trying to, um, Stamps is trying to, shepherd people into safety and then he hears gunfire because the Nazis are up the street so he shepherds them down the street and they get shot there. Yeah, they're coming you know, from every direction the and there's nowhere. Get, one yeah. of them gets shot and the other one comes over to like to, to right, grieve, basically. Grieve, and they get shot too and they're lying in the opposite direction. It's just, yeah. it is really a- tragic. Everyone sh- shot. Um, Angelo shot again mm. but is sort of uh, was it Stamp or Negron he that gets, is able to Stamp carry him? Stamp gets him to the, the, the threshold of the church, and then um, and it's uh, well, Train Bishop, gets him. Or tr- tr- to Bishop the, does. Excuse me. Train gets him to the the doorway of the church. Of the church before yeah. he dies. Yeah. He thinks that the boy is dead because he's been shot through yeah. the shoulder, and then Bishop shows up and convinces him that. The boy is still alive, so he picks the boy up. He says, let me take right. him, and then I'll come back for you. And he fights very bravely. And, and gets, gets shot again, shot and again, and pieces. again. Yeah. yeah, shot to pieces, right? And then hands the boy off, uh, I think at this point, to Negron, who mm-hmm. gets him into a, like a cul-de-sac right. that sort of And the only away. reason why Negron doesn't get killed is that, A, he gets shot in the back, but he has he's his got radio, the radio strapped on. Yeah. Which and is this huge backpack right. contraption. It's like, you don't think it's not like a, you know, a cell phone. No, this, no. Is, this is the old days. This <laughs> thing is you know, the size of, uh, I don't know, uh, I was going to give another object that's... It's know, big. It's a large it's backpack. Big. Other <laughs> people won't remember what it is. It's like <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, and so there's just, you're just watching this slaughter where Renata and all these other people... Literally everyone we've been watching for the last is, two and a half hours is, is just killed. Systematically. Um, and then, oddly enough, there's a moment where Negron is, you know, he's shot and he's completely vulnerable. And a Nazi comes up, puts a bullet in his face and says, prepare to die. A gun in his face, right there. Yeah, a gun in his face. And then he's dismissed by another, oh, an officer. An officer who says, that's enough, we're done. Right. Gather our wounded, gather our dead. Yeah. And that's it. And he hands him his Luger. Right. And says, protect yourself, defend yourself. Now, this is an officer who... We've seen in one previous scene, uh-huh. like an hour and 40 minutes ago, getting yelled at by a superior officer about how he needs to continue on and take these villages. And he's like, but why? <laughs> yeah. And the, the other officer is basically, because I fucking said so, that's why. And so this is a Nazi with a heart he's, of gold? I, I, think, I don't think so. But he's like, oh, no, we're not doing right. Everyone right. in this war is sinning, and we are not on the good, uh, not right. on a right side. Uh, so I guess, but but we don't know anything other than that one no, scene where he's dressed down and again, sort of like, uh, this seems wrong. But then his last fucking thing is, to Heil Hitler, right. like he does what he's fucking ordered to do. So. Yeah, but I think what you're getting there, what you're supposed to from those brief scenes, is that there's like there's a conscience to these people. It's like some of them don't want to be doing this either. Right, right. and yet they still slaughtered an entire town. Right. 
And I don't know that's fear of what's going to happen to them if they don't slaughter the whole town. I don't uh, yeah, know. I, don't, I don't know. And, but, Maybe. But, which I don't isn't know. really the point of the film. The point of the movie is to go, um, or rather, in, in this case, we then go from that scene to the trial. Where, well, yeah. The, mm-hmm. Then we see actually Americans arriving. The Americans arriving. That's yeah. the thing. There's this weird, more Americans arrive and secure the village. So it's unclear to me how that, because they were yeah, they no were overrun by Germans, mm-hmm. and then I guess they were just left, and more Americans arrived. Well, the impression is almost like the Germans gathered everyone up and ran. Yeah, <laughs> and then the Americans which makes came. But you're not told no that. sense. There's Germans. There's because Americans. why yeah. wouldn't they take up these Americans that are coming? Like it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Anyways, so then he yeah, he's evacuated and, and he's told by these other guys you're going home. Right, you and that you're going to get the Purple Heart in the very least. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, doodly, 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 1984. Right, and we're in a court proceeding and Negron is now facing a life sentence for the killing of... Rudolfo. Rudolfo, who was the traitor to the partisans, as he remembers it. Yes. And then it turns out somebody pays his $2 million bail. Well, somebody pays to hire him a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's Kerry Washington, pre-scandal, but mm-hmm. still, really, Olivia Poping it up. <laughs> Looking luminous, I have I'm to say. I'm pretty sure this She's is where funny. Ava saw her, or not Ava, ugh, sorry, Shonda saw her and mm-hmm. went, oh, I know what I'm going to do. Right. Make her a badass lawyer. Um so she's there, and they're like, we're going to set the bail at $2 million. And she goes, we're going to pay cash bail. And the judge is like, excuse me, come come up here. Because the reason that you set bail at $2 million is so that you don't pay cash bail, right. so that you are stuck in prison. Um, and she, he's, she's like, he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, if you want that job on the appellate court next year, I suggest you fucking don't worry about it. And and so he does not worry about it. Because he goes, I smell a rat. And she goes, you should plug your nose. (laughs) Yeah, she's not putting up with his nonsense at all. No. And she doesn't need to, as it turns out. Um, And then all of a sudden we're on the Bahamas. Yeah. I don't know why. So I don't know if the implication is that he just jumped bail and got shipped somewhere, and now he's... Well, I don't think he jumped bail. Jumped I think it. he was... The, well, that bail was paid, and then he was ushered away. Well, not jump bail. Like, well, I mean, technically, jump bail, he, he doesn't was show up pay, His day. freedom was paid for. Right. And he's walking, and then he sees on the beach the head, mm-hmm. and he starts crying, and he starts saying, like, I'm the, I was the only one, I'm the last one, I'm the last one. Right. And then, of course, he was the last one, because the person on the beach with him is Angelo. Right. The little mm-hmm. boy that they saved, and he is... There's a little weird speech about how people pay for control even when they don't have them. Yeah. So Angelo apparently has invented, like, seat belts and all these other things, like safety things that people buy to give them a sense of control in a world that they don't have control yeah. over um, and has become extraordinarily wealthy from it, which is like a weird metaphor that I think probably works better in a book uh-huh. than it does in the well, three the seconds was, it was given in the movie. The theme of the movie all through it is miracles. 
Yes. Okay, the only so. thing you can count on is a miracle. Right. That's literally the theme of this Which movie. Which is a very so, interesting theme. We're fucked. <laughs> right. But, uh, so that's how the film ends on this beach. Um, With these two men hugging and crying. Yes. And it is a very emotional... The, the movie It was emotional. Works it was... On some levels. I felt uh-huh. terribly manipulative. Right. Hi. The fact that... Mm. Sam Train is a character in this movie and then is killed at the end is the most blatantly manipulative thing. Now, I have a thing where if there is somebody who it's the anybody who's mentally deficient or is unable to communicate clearly for themselves, mm-hmm. um, those are the people in the movie that I want to protect right. and I'm going to care about. And if anything happens to them, I will cry like a bitch. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. So that was kind of like, I thought, at one point, I think I mentioned to you, I'm going to write a story with either a, a dog or a child dies. Yes. And yeah. that will get all, all the love from anything But I, I was a nerd by the end of this because I'm like, he's going to fucking kill him. And the only reason mm-hmm. that this character is this way and was written like this, mm-hmm. was to get me to care about him. And you're going to kill everybody. Fuck you. Like, right. I don't... For two and a half hours, I'm invested in these characters. And then you have this woman sleep with the sleaziest one of them. Right. And then you kill all of them to save a child. And I'm just like, fuck you. Fuck you. Also... At no point mm-hmm. is it made clear to me why this man did every day of his life he carry this gun with him, mm-hmm. waiting to see the face of this one person so he could kill him. Did he know he was in New York? Like, why was why was he armed at work? Mm-hmm. Is this before the first post office shooting? I don't know. Well, the 80s would be. I mean, the I understand of post in maybe. the story, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about it in 2008. You know, it I, has to be after. Yeah, it has to be after. Now, mind you, this is where I think where I, I think the movie works. Here's what happened at the end of this movie. Okay. I turned to Lemuel and I said, "Spike Lee made a bad movie," and he said, "Really." I didn't think so. <laughs> I don't think the movie was necessarily bad. I read a review from Roger, uh, by Roger Ebert who mm-hmm. said that he'd rather have too much than too little. Yes. And I think that is the problem with the film. It's overstuffed, and there are so many things and so many characters. I'm sure in the book... That is true. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character gets more time. John Turturro's sure. character gets more time. We have a scene with John Leguizamo in this film. Yeah. For why? For one scene. Who was? Oh, was that was him? That was Angelo. No, no, it wasn't Angelo. It was Angelo at the very beginning. It had to right. be. Well, what happens is that no, he's sitting down, reading a newspaper. Yes. And then this woman who, forgive me, was an incredible figure, and we get to see her ass just walking. Well, all she second. is is sex. That's the right. only she reason up, she exists. Sits in his lap. She takes his paper away from him. Throws it out the window. It falls out of the window onto the table of a man that we later learned to find Angelo. Right. And he picks up the paper and drops his teacup because he's like, oh my God, this is this primavera that I've been right. looking for. That's right. And, and then, I didn't realize that uh, that was the same dude at the end. So but, that's Angelo. But that scene was. That was all for it was what? there for. And so, in this respect, there's a, 
a movie that you probably have never seen from 1986 called Miracles. And that film was a comedy about all these tiny little things that happen that eventually have a cumulative effect to be passed off as a miracle, but they're little tiny it's miracles. It's little, it's you know? luck. Or it's the well, same thing like that Dom, oh, you didn't see Deadpool 2. Right. But it's all the little things that come into... Well, yeah, and it starts with, uh, it's a very funny movie. It's with Terry Garr um, about a, uh, a medicine man in the South American jungle who prays for a miracle for a dying girl. And all the ridiculous things that lead up to a doctor actually winding up there to cure the little girl. Okay. So, and it's a really sweet film, but it began to feel like that movie when I was watching it. That we have this deadly serious movie, and then all these goofy things happen, like the newspaper thrown out of the window that just happens to land Comes on the, to land the on table. The thing, yeah. Although, the guy. my sense is that mm. eventually he would have seen a newspaper. Right. I don't know why we needed to have this weird sex scene with John oh. Leguizamo and this faceless uh-huh. lady. Um, but it was almost as if there were all these almost comic setups, and it, I just it was a big shift in tone for me, and there was a lot of shifts in tone, and then again the flashback scenes. There's a a scene um, with Train and Bishop that I actually really liked, where he's going on. Bishop is a hypocrite because he goes and speaks in churches, he preaches, which is why I thought he was called Bishop. No, it's because it's, no, his, it's name. his first name. Which they but he doesn't actually him. believe in God, and he's having this argument with Train, who's not as, who winds up being kind of a foolish, wise person. Yes. Um, and it's a, this whole philosophical argument about it, which leads to a flashback about how they're treated as black soldiers going to get ice cream in the South. Yes. And that leads to a whole, so there's two flashbacks that get given there. But again, it's like, it's, a, it's still a movie made by a, pr- a really talented filmmaker. Yeah. The scene where everyone's praying before the day they all get killed. You know, there's a scene that flashes to German soldiers, to Italian villagers, yeah. and to black the, officers. The, what I did like uh-huh. was that everybody was speaking the language they were supposed right. to be speaking, and we had to do a lot of reading. It wasn't a bunch I'm of Italians with, with English accents. Yeah. But, no, the um, Italians were speaking right. Italian, the Germans, the Germans were speaking, were speaking German. German. Um, and the Americans were speaking English. English, yeah. But in that scene, it's almost as if you realize how much nobody wants to go to war, and we're still doing it. So you get that futility. There's a line in the movie that really got to me, which is when um, when we see Arturo for the, the first... No, no, no. Um, the ghost. He appears... Arturo. Yeah. He, yeah. He appears to... Um, I forgot the boy's name again. Angela. He appears to Angela. And he guides them away from all this carnage and said, this is when we were children. This is what happened to us. When This is our time to be children. And to me, that line just... Yeah. That really got to me because it's... They didn't deserve this either. Nobody deserves what's happening. And, and it's like everyone regrets it happening, but they're still doing it. You know, they're saying, please, God, spare me. And at the same time, going out and shooting each other. And so there were moments in this film that really worked for me overall, though. I think yes, you're being manipulated. Yes, it 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 uh, it goes between almost magic realism at times, when yeah. these fantastic and strange things happen, and then cuts to really really painful scenes like yeah. watching the actual slaughter at this village. Yeah. So it was there were too many total shifts. The story was too long. I'm I uh-huh. like war movies. I'm mm-hmm. not anti-war movie. I don't like. Movies, I'm going to place this and mm. Wind Talkers in the same 
place okay. where I have watched these people for two plus hours and every single one of them dies. Saving Private Ryan borders on this as well. Mm. Um, please don't kill everyone that mm. I've been watching because I need something to hold on to. Yeah. It's not a doc. If I'm watching a documentary, I kind of expect everybody yeah. to die. Because in the world, that's what happens. Yeah. I need, even in my violence, gritty, realistic escapism, mm-hmm. I need some escapism. Right. I needed Sam Train to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, even if he was too pure, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I needed yeah. him to live. And the fact that you kind of basted me with his lovability right. and then were like... Hey, and he, your best friend, the chocolate giant, uh, I'm definitely killing him at the end. Yeah. Like, I'd fuck you. Well, this is better to me than, uh, what was the film? Um, I'm trying to think of a film where the, the, the one character who survives at the end is the, the character who's the biggest asshole throughout the movie. Um, I feel like there's probably more than one movie like right. that. Can and, you uh, narrow it down? Is uh, it a war film? No, no, it's not. It's a sort of like black youth in the 80s while everyone else gets killed. And you're like, well, what the hell am I watching this for? Is it like... Um, it was part of the generation that, that came out of Boys in the Hood. And okay, it wasn't Boys in the Hood, though. It, it, I, it, it, I haven't seen Boys in the Hood uh-huh. at an age where I remember it, so... Yeah, it was one of the films that came out after that, and that was, it was inspired Don't be by a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Menace Is it one Society. of those? <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Like, I wonder if it's right. one of them from the title that I like. I believe it was Menace to Society. Menace to Society sounds yeah, where like, it's right. just like, the biggest asshole in the film gets killed. Everyone else, <laughs> like, survives. But No, he, you just said the other way around. Uh, everyone else, no, no, everyone, everyone gets killed, but the biggest asshole survives, no, no, right? the biggest asshole survives, and all yeah. the other characters you care about, including perfectly innocent people, get yeah. shot, and, you know... Yeah, I just, I do need a little bit... I mean, if you're going to call it O-dog. a miracle... Fuck that guy, I hate O-Dog. Oh. <laughs> like, I can't even see that actor anymore, like, oh, God, I don't want to... Who was that. it? It's uh, Lorenz Tate, I think. Oh. And, like, I can't watch him in a movie now. I think I... Hollywood feels that way, too, because <laughs> right? I don't think <laughs> Lorenz Tate's been in a whole lot of stuff. But lately. it's like, that was... A, maybe that was... It. Maybe after this movie, they're like, oh, everyone too unlikable? Guy, right? Too unlikable? Too <laughs> unlikable. He did his job too well. far. We have differences, but I agree with you. The film wasn't entirely a success. Yeah. And I think it pushed too many. It deliberately pushed buttons to get a reaction out of its audience. Yeah. And, and it, it didn't need to. I, honestly, it might have worked mm-hmm. as a miniseries. Yes. Because yes. what I think a big part of my problem is, is mm-hmm. I, I would have changed maybe the people mm-hmm. who live. Mm-hmm. I would have... Had Renata make different choices. choices. And um, I think I you need to have more context than the one scene for the German who gives him his Luger at the end. Than the one scene of B.B. Sweeney. Than the one scene. Like, there are these one scenes that are like, oh, well, if we don't have this scene then this thing that needs to happen for mm. this plot to happen won't make any sense. But the one scene was almost worse than no scenes because you're just like, but that wasn't enough. Like, I understand that this scene is here so that I'll recognize him in an hour and a half. 
but it doesn't really explain his motivation. It, that's, um, I think there are too many characters, and you're right. It would be, if you had focused on part of this story, it would be better than or focusing on all of the story. Give each mm. character the attention they need, which means mm. you need more time. Right. So You could do this in six hours. Right. This needs to be a Spike Lee miniseries for HBO. It does not right. need to be a single film. And because, again, all these characters who are in, who are out, I don't know, D.B. Sweeney needs yeah. more scenes. Right. That, um, that, that, that group needed more mm. scenes. I really think that the, the captain that ignores them right. and, or doesn't believe yes, them. Yes, that was one. And that was a really... in particular, like, why is he such a prick? Like, the, no the, but I thought that there was a very interesting piece mm. um, because... And I actually would have liked more of mm. the discussions about being a black soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our country, too. Right. Um, they give leeway to the white dude who didn't believe that they were where they said they were. Right. Be- simply as he's not the first white guy that didn't believe right, a black exactly. guy. And he's not going to be the last. Yeah. Like, they very... Like pragmatic about yeah. that, they and that was really it. interesting. There's, there's a, and that's reflected in the scene, the flashback scene in the ice cream parlor, yes. where they go into to, to get some ice cream, and they see there that, are German right. prisoners of war eating in this ice cream shop in right. the south. These are Nazis, and these black officers are not allowed. They're told to go around back. To go around they, back. they they can have they can get their and, ice cream, but they have to go around back. And, and oh. And train just goes right, to go. and that's the one to say. Train is just so used to it, and, and they're like, just "Don't around. move!" Like, no, 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 no. This is not what we're going to do today. You're not going to mm-hmm. serve them and mm-hmm. not us. And then they wind up coming back later at gunpoint, at gunpoint. and getting their ice creams. Yeah. And but there's also a moment, and Spike Lee is very good with this because he did some of it in the Black Klansman, which is the first time when the black officers are thrown out. Uh, the ice cream shop owner says, "Well, that's the way you have to treat them." He turns around to his son. And yeah, says, his son says. That's a yeah. lesson for you. Right, and he nods his head in affirmative. And there, it reflects the moment we just saw in The Black Klansman where there's a, a dinner, not a dinner party, but uh, it's being held in a dining hall, the the uh, meeting of the uh, clan. And there's a bunch of like clan wives in the back who are just really impressed with what their husbands are doing, like yeah. moving forward with the cause. And what it's talking about really is that, first of all, no one grows up being a racist. You're taught to be, You're a, taught racist. To be a racist. And then this sort of compliance. And compliance is a big theme of we're just going to go along with what's going on. Right. And in this film, it was about people choosing not to be compliant. But again, it, there wasn't enough time to tell this story. Yeah. So I think even in the right. two hours and forty minute runtime, mm-hmm. there are moments that are really successful to tell the story that they wanted to tell. Yeah. There, um, mo- there are moments that are really successful in the film, and I admire some of it. It's just beautiful, but by and large, yes. Renata sleeping with the wrong guy, train being killed for no particular reason. It just other it than, made me uh-huh. like don't make likable real characters do unlikable unreal things, right. or you know, and don't don't like the making train the way that he was and killing him. Yeah, is a manipulative. Thing that makes right. me sort of lose patience for everything else that's mm-hmm. happening. 
Yeah, I can understand. Because it just feels like, oh, you know exactly what you're doing. You're doing it, and and I know what you're doing. That's the thing. I see what you're doing. <laughs> Don't do that. And he did. They did. Yeah. Oh. I, I just felt... But, again, I think that... In, so, right. I say watch Black Clansman and not Miracle of Sam. Right. But I do believe <laughs> that there are moments in this film that are really successful. Um, but, uh, but... Oh, this, shit. John Leguizamo's character has a t- name. Well, she calls him his It's Enrico. For no reason. That, right. that scene is in there for no reason. It's, yeah, it's John Leguizamo going, Hey, Spike Lee, my pal, will you have some gorgeous woman sit on my lap and make out with me? Sure, why not? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what it felt legitimately like. what happened. You know, in Italian lingerie, I will add. Um, but, yeah, I just... The, the, <laughs> But overall, I felt it was a failure, but there are some really great moments in it. And I don't know. Would you ever recommend anybody to watch it? It was I don't think so. I think that there are probably better movies about the subject of black soldiers in World War II. Mm -hmm. And there are better Spike Lee movies. Well, that that goes without saying. So I'm sort of saying, Mm -hmm. watch those, not this. It's very long to just watch. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. And it's and it's because unless you are fluent in Italian, German, and English, you need to watch this movie because there are a lot of subtitles. It feels like a full third of the movie is in maybe more. Yeah, yeah, it might be more. Might be more. But there were so many scenes of important exposition that. And at times it does feel like exposition. At times it's almost yeah, there, like Shakespeare. It is. I'm going to come on stage and announce everything, and yes. then I'm going to retreat. Remember this right. for an hour and 40 minutes when I show up again. Yeah, and then, you know, again, I, I really felt Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ooh, cool. No. Nope. No, <laughs> he's not really a big part I of this I was like, oh, he's in this movie? I love him. Well, he's only Bye. really not really in the movie. But um, John Turturro, also. Love him. Yeah. Bye. <sighs> And he was only in one scene. Right. <laughs> sort of mumbling through it, as it were. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, it needed more time. It needed more time. I felt, I felt though, his, the director's passion about the project. And I also think, I, here, here's what I think is a big uh, part of the problem. James McBride, now, uh-huh. now this is a National Book Award winner. Uh-huh. Like, he's a very good writer. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have adapted his own novel. Because That's he, probably true wouldn't cut the stuff that needed cutting for Mm -hmm. a movie adaptation because he could have cut more and made it and changed some things to make it more cinematic and Mm -hmm. fit in the time time length of time that was allotted he left too much in Mm -hmm. which made it weaker i think if if you had condensed, I think thirty seven from right. Metascore, so that's not great. Yeah, that's I, out of a hundred. I just think, yeah, I frankly feel that it's a a good movie in there. It's a good movie that needs to be pruned excessively. I feel like almost as if it was pruned. There's probably a longer version of this film somewhere, and that explains why there's really abrupt shifts in time throughout this film. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I thought it was just some of the weird art direction choices. Like when we go back to now, Mm -hmm. we get the overlay of it's 1984. Mm -hmm. And it's a white, this is is title design, right? It is a white word on a laid over a laid over a very white based background, and it was difficult to read. And I'm like, why? Like that's a simple thing. Yeah, there's a lot of odd choices. Y'all fucked up. (laughs) Like, yeah. So, and that's a. I mean, that's a very small thing. But when you're bouncing around in time, and this is the first title card to tell me when we are and you put it in white on white what what are you doing (laughs) so I don't think again I don't think it was a full success I think there's some scenes that were really good and that it is it is absolutely problematic but yeah I I did enjoy as much as you can enjoy a film where people are being slaughtered um, you liked it I liked it more I just needed it to be different I think it, it needed more time or it needed more focus, and I think there was just too much to tell for the time that you can comfortably have a person sitting watching the film. Now, we watched but, it all in one sitting. We did. We, I thought we were going to have to split it, but we uh, ended up just watching it all the way through. Now, granted, we started at 10 in the morning. Yeah. So, so bye yeah. Sunday. <laughs> but it was, yeah, I, I felt the film was interesting, but again. So, anyhow. so Do you have... I. I was about to ask you the same question. What? You, Do you have anything you'd like to re- recommend? That current recommendation. People would like more than Miracle at Santana. Well, it's different. Okay. It's a different thing. All right. My recommendation this week is going to be for a film that is currently in theaters. Uh, it's the new Paul Feig movie. It's called A Simple Favor. It stars Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively and Henry Golding of Crazy Rich Asians fame. What's up, Henry Golding? Be in all the things. We like it. Um, I don't even want to say... We had seen... I had seen one trailer for this. And I had read a headline that indicated that what the trailer was selling you and what the movie was were two different things. Mm -hmm. That was the extent of what I knew going into it. And I enjoyed it immensely. Mm -hmm. Um, Paul Feig... Directed Ghostbusters, the 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 quote unquote female remake of Ghostbusters. He directed Bridesmaids. He is good at working with funny women in smart scripts. That is what he is doing in this. He's borrowing heavily from sort of like French New Wave ideas although i've seen two french new wave films and i hated both of Mm. them so if you don't like french new wave don't think that this is not your movie um if you like anna kendrick you'll like this movie if you like blake lively if you're a gossip girl fan uh, you'll like this movie um if you like comedies thrillers satires um, you like this movie? If you like, if you liked Gone Girl and the Gillian or Gillian Flynn uh, oeuvre, that means sharp things or sharp objects rather um, on HBO or any of the other things that Gillian Flynn does, uh, the Girl on the Train, that kind of thing. You'll like this. This is um, 
it's just, it's good. Like it's, but I don't want to say too much because I think going in colder is better. Yeah, in this case it is. There's some films where I wouldn't, where it's hard to recommend the movie without giving things away. Yeah. Um, when I first saw the trailer for this, I was under the impression I was watching it like a psychological thriller, something along the lines of The Gift, yes. Joel Edgerton, and, and, uh, which was a film that I really liked. Jason Bateman. And Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall. So I thought this was going to be, because that's the way it was being sold to me. And I'm right. like, okay, this is unusual. Um, what I got was a very funny movie. And, but it's not funny in the way that Bridesmaids is funny. No. It's um, not broad. No. It's very sharp and decisive. And, you know, it's about a, a mom and how her, uh, who raises a kid, has a vlog. Yes, she's got a mommy vlog. Right. And then it's she runs into and this... And she becomes friends mm, with another mom. A mother mom. A very a, different mom. Um, and then that mom, and this is from the trailer, mm, disappears. Right. And then it's what ensues. What ensues. And mom, Blake Lively, who I don't really know much as a performer. I've only seen her swim away from a very large computer-generated shark. The Shallows um, is pretty good, y'all. This movie, she is like sex on wheels. She's one of the more... Ooh, and her outfits are photogenic. Fire. Like, the camera loves oh. her, and she loves her, so... That is, um, is a, She really carries herself like she's the center of attention, and she is. That's her character uh, from Gossip Girl. Okay, which I've She never was seen. the it girl. Mm-hmm. In, in, but she's in high school, in Right. In this, she's a fully realized adult. <laughs> right. And part of what's appealing about her character... There's a lot of references. There was one moment in the very beginning of the film where you first see her, where I turned to you in the theater and said, this is a Sergio Leone moment. He, yeah, he yeah, framed yeah. it. And there's a lot of references. At one point in the plot, which I won't spoil for everybody, I'm watching the movie, and again, having seen so many films, I'm like, oh, this seems to be like an homage to Diabolique. And then <laughs> Anna Kendrick says to another character, don't Diabolique me. Are you Diabolique <laughs> right. me? And I'm like... Which is so... Good, right? It's it happened. not gaslighting. No, which is which is a phrase. Like, right, that is a thing you could ask somebody. If you but say, "Are you diaboliking me?" That's like at a the moment cut. where I thought, "Oh, they're referencing this film." She just came they out. They reference that. Film, You're referencing yeah. that film, and so one thing that I've always maintained is that outside of the work of Hitchcock, Henri Georges Clouseau, the French director, did the, and Claude Chabal did the best thrillers put on film. The French have a real gift for it, a real knack for it. Purple yeah. Noon, uh, Jean-Pierre Melville, all these French filmmakers, studying them particularly in the 60s. So it's almost as if he saw this and got inspired to do yeah. something of twisty thriller. There's, It has a French soundtrack. That it does. The music, music is stuck in your head. I don't like it, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, and, if you and it s- looks right. beautiful. Like it The is, design of it is really right. great. Uh, yeah, I recommend it highly. It I, is a I, really... It, I feel like it's not being hyped. It, no, I, I saw not one enough. trailer for it. Now, we've been going to the movies regularly. Now mm. we have this A list thing. So we're going to at least a movie a week, right. sometimes two, sometimes three. What are we seeing trailers for? White Boy Rick and. Uh, a Star is Born. A Star is Born. Every fucking movie. I'm not exaggerating. No, this not. isn't hyperbole. Every movie I've seen I in the last six weeks. I think you mentioned that in the last broadcast. We saw nearly ten minutes of the film. Yeah, last yeah, the last movie we went right. to had four, four yeah. trailers because they were not trailers; they were just scenes from the movie. Scenes from the film. But there was a Star Is Born trailer right. before a Simple Favor, but I had seen one right. trailer for a Simple one. Favor, and I was like, "Oh, this looks good." A, I love Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. My, um. 
my pop culture like resolution for mm. the year is to watch all of Anna Kendrick's movies. I'm close. And I've seen a lot of them already. But um and I, I I like her a lot as a performer. I like her a um, lot and I like the choices that she makes. Pers- I typically even yeah. if she's in only in a small yeah. role, the things that she does I tend to enjoy. I kind of I really I think the first time that I saw her was And yeah, there. I know she's in Twilight, you guys, I know. Well, she's also in another movie that I'm never going to see. I know. Um, but uh, she did a... The first time I saw her was Up in the Air. Yes. and That's the first time a lot of people right. saw her. And then seeing Pitch Perfect and just going... She really held a screen for being yeah. somebody who's basically four feet tall. She's she, five feet tall. <laughs> it doesn't look that way. Don't steal a whole... Yeah, next to Blake Lively, oh, too. Blake <laughs> Lively is a cool 5'10 <laughs> and is constantly wearing heels. It's, there's like a moment where, again, you look at them and they're like... They're, they're like sitting species, on the couch. right? <laughs> like with their... Uh-huh. Both of them with their feet tucked under mm-hmm. them, but... Anna Kendrick looks like a child. Yeah. And it's one of those instances where you're like, you're not the same species, you're two different things, you're a hobbit and you're an elf. This, yeah. this is basically what what the situation is. But she's really good in this film. Yes. And, and uh, Anna Kendrick's performance does a great, um, anxious to the point of being brittle kind of thing. But yeah, to the point where you're like, Oh, blink, are woman, you? blink. <laughs> you know, like so. I don't know if you're sane, right? And she's our narrator, so we don't know if we've got an unreliable right. narrator. We don't know. I'm not going to tell then, you. Yeah, we're not going to tell you because there's a lot of great stuff in the movie. There's a lot of great small performances in the movie. Yes, um, the kids in the movie are actually really yeah. good. There are some young child performances. This Henry Golding performance is quite good. Uh, and I'm surprised to find out that he's not a professional actor. Not an either. actor. He was yeah. a model and a host. Uh, and then he was cast in Crazy Witch Agents and has been cast in other things since. Um, and I'm going to continue to champion Paul Feig's stuff. Mm-hmm. And he champions women, so I'm on board. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand all the hate for Ghostbusters, the remake. Yeah, because you know what it didn't do? But, Burn every copy of the original yeah, Ghostbusters. It, hey, if you want to watch the original mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, you still yeah, can. I mean, it, it's just... <laughs> uh, you if you don't want to see it, just don't, don't see it. It's not that complicated. You don't have to hate them. You don't have to say nasty things about. They the didn't ruin anything. Them. They didn't right. destroy anything. It's not like they took the one mm-hmm. copy of the original Ghostbusters and filmed over it, right. like like a fucking VHS fight in the eighties, right? Where you're like, don't tape over my copy of the Oscars with your copy of the football game, like. That's not what's happening, you y'all. Can't it's all still there. Your taste for another generation of people, frankly, is what it seems to be just perpetuating. No, although like, apparently you can because everything from the nineties they're just gonna do again right. or still. And there's some things I disapprove of. I, I didn't like so much, you know, watching the new Star Wars movies where they basically just slaughter all the characters from the old Star Wars movies. I don't mind but them, but the I don't care is, about Star Wars either. So. Well, because you didn't have the attachment to the people. No, so. I don't. I have no so, attachment. The thing is that you, but you don't have to watch them. You don't have to hate them. You don't have to threaten the people on, on, um. And if you feel like, oh, I don't like what this new one has done. Then don't watch it. Then you can watch the old one and be like, oh, I revel in my old one that I love so much. Yes. You know, I, I just, yeah. Yeah, I don't don't get it. Anyhow. So what do you want to recommend? I recommend the Immortal Iron Fist. Now. It's not called that. It's. It's um, just called Iron Fist. Part of. Uh, the Marvel is a, a Facebook friend of mine, Will the Thrill, who refers to it as the noir verse. 
Yes, it's which the, is a great way to put it. The gritty Netflix right. Marvel New York. If if universe. the the Defenders verse. Avengers universe is filled with other planets and gods and aliens and other, all sorts of things. The um, the Netflix Marvel universe is a part of that, but is really about people, street soldiers, and, and what rats. they do. There are rats there, in this. Yes, there's a very funny scene that I think was completely unscripted involving a rat running in the background. During well, I don't know how you script a rat. Well, during the exposition, they it squeak just right now. ran squeak. around, so they added a sound effect to make it sound like, yeah, we, we included that rat. The rat had nothing to do with it. No. But um, it's the very first season of Iron Fist I did not care for. Um, because... We're told the story of a very rich young man who's entitled to everything, who then uh, gets everything, acquires superpowers in it. Tibet, and like every white kid who gets trapped in Tibet, becomes the greatest fighter who ever lived and gets a magical fist, and comes to New York and turns out to be really rich because he really doesn't have that many problems aside from his parents dying. Nope. Um, and then he has an Asian girlfriend who he's constantly talking down to, despite the fact that she's a karate instructor. And he's not constantly well, in the original talking. One. I don't think that that's I felt, true. Yes, that's what I felt. So, anyhow, um, the second season, I, he the character, I think, matured and got better in The Defenders, the overarching, let's join the superheroes together story. This second season of Iron Fist seemed to take every complaint from the first season and rectify it. You know, everything from the white savior yeah, it's complex like, to It's the, like they really heard. They really heard. Here's all the problems we have with this. And then they fixed it? Yes, they did. And they took turns away from the source material to make it even more kind of... Uh, not So that they would let the audience know they appreciated the, what they... What, you were telling them Yes, even the source material can be problematic right. and we can make changes to it. Yes. Also, it's 10 episodes instead of 13, which is the first one of these Netflix series to do that, and I think that is good, because the sagging the almost every single mm-hmm. season has had at least three episodes where I was like, didn't need it, just mm-hmm. filler to get to 13. We didn't need it. It's like, let's show and another... And this in, doesn't, this is pretty tight. And probably... Uh, Graphic sex scene, which happens every once in a while. Like, whoa, I didn't know they could show that on television. Then you realize you're watching It's not Netflix television. It's Netflix. And they can show all sorts of things. But um, I really appreciated what they did. I, one of my complaints the first season is that for a bunch of guys who are claiming to be the greatest martial artists in the world, they're, they're really bad at what they're doing. Yeah. And so they called in the fight choreographers, stunt choreographers who worked on John Wick which is a really good demonstration of martial arts ability. Yeah. And there are some great fights in this particular season where you're like, okay, there's the fact that uh, a woman playing Colleen Wing is a black belt, I believe, in real life. They actually get to use those abilities. Um, and so the stuff is staged really well. It's staged at times really realistically, unexpectedly. People get hurt and they bleed. And, but... Um, the writing is much better. The characters are, are, are more conflicted. You get a lot more drama to it. There is, though, less white boy whining in this. Right, there is. And because that if... was a problem that I had with the first one. I was like, Donald Trump is in office, and I do not need to hear rich white men being sad. I just don't. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> I, like I just don't need to hear it. And they knocked that the fuck off this time. Right. So I would recommend this series to anybody who, I mean, of course, it has a built-in audience. Right, the people who are going to see it are going to see it, no matter what. I felt that way about Black Panther, which is 
you had a guaranteed audience. You didn't need to make this movie as good as it, it was. And so I appreciate the fact that even though Netflix knows they have a built-in audience for this, they're going to make the changes that make it a better program, and they're going to take yeah. a lot of the... Because remember, this, this comic book was written quite a long time ago, at least according to modern standards. Mm. And so you were seeing things like, you know, the white kid who goes to Tibet and masters kung fu better than the Asian people could right. and winds up becoming our white savior. That kind of dynamic is gone. That has a whole colonialist kind of bent, and that's right. gone from this, uh, you know, it it withers away in front of your eyes as you're watching the season. Yeah, the season and really is like, yeah, that's not going to hold, that's not, we're right. not doing that. We're not so. doing that, and we're going to be able to, yes, that changes the source material, but the source material was written in a time where that was a perfectly acceptable trope, you know, Tarzan then, yeah. gets dropped in the jungle and becomes the king of the jungle, despite the fact that he's, you know, the lone white guy. Yeah. Um. So... Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed what they did with this season. I think they respect the audience. I think they listen to it, and and so I, I can recommend it. It's actually it was a lot of fun, and the ending of it. I think we saw most of the ending in the last day, right? Yesterday we went through about four episodes. Uh yeah, yeah, we it, watched it pretty quick because it it gathered a lot of momentum near the end of the season where you really wanted to know mm-hmm. what happened next. Yeah, we intended, I think, to watch this uh, today's movie last night and then did, did not. Yeah, because it was just on such a good narrative role that you're like, okay, I need to see what happens. And um, yeah, I can't tell you why that is especially compelling, but you'll have to see it. After about episode five, it just gathers so much momentum that it's hard to stop. Yeah, it's good. Anyhow, yeah. It's good. All right, so I think that brings us to the end. And um, if you want to... Reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Reach out, please. Reach out. Oh, we should go over. So that brings us to the end of September. Mm-hmm. So next is October. Hey, guys, that's how the month goes. Yep. Or that's how the year goes. My favorite time of the year. So the plan right now, mm-hmm. and this could change, but what we have on deck for October. I know you're not excited about it. Right. Uh, for October of 1978 is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Ah. If we can find it. Yes. Because it turns out uh, we may not be able no, to No, I have to recommend Attack of the Killer Tomatoes 2, which I have seen. That one has George Clooney George Clooney, in it. and I don't know who the actress is who plays a piece a tomato who comes to life and turns into a really pretty girl. A tomato comes to life? A tomato comes to life. And turns into a lady. And turns into a very pretty girl. Just, I'm gonna hate this movie. No, no, that's the second one. I, I know, know but happens. if this is the first one of that, I'm gonna hate it. Yes, and then she winds up just being this adorable character who every you, you can't help but not like her. She's really sweet and she likes eating toast. She just makes mountains of toast and hands out to all of her friends. She's adorable. And George Clooney has, for some reason, uh, and I watched this years ago, has star quality written all over him. You're looking at that guy going, "Wow, he holds the screen." And little did you know, you know that. But yeah, the uh, first film, I don't know. I was going to say if we can't find it, uh-huh. really, we should watch Halloween. Oh, that now, would be great. That is also a movie that came out in October of 1978. Now, I have seen Halloween, and I know you have also seen Halloween. I love Halloween. And I was going to say we should watch it and the newest one. That would be great. But month-wise, it doesn't work unless we switch it around because... Um, the new one comes out on the 19th. Mm-hmm. So we'd have to watch it towards the end. So maybe we do 88, 98, 08, and then come back to 78 and do a compare-contrast 
on the first Halloween and the most recent Halloween. What do you think? That'll work. You want to do that? Yeah, okay. That, that's going to be really fun because... So we're not watching Attack of... I've gotten out of it. We're okay. not watching Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. So... Oh, that's a pity. Uh, our first movie for October then will be Alien Nation from October of 1978... 1988, excuse me. Alien Otherwise Nation. Otherwise known as the original Bright, I think, is... Yeah, I think so, yes. That's basically what it is. Then we'll watch Rushmore mm-hmm. from Which I'm 1998. You'll have to talk me through it. I don't know. I've never, like I said, oh, I thought this was, you know. Is that a Wes Anderson movie? I'm going to look it up. Uh, yes, it's Wes Anderson. Yeah, we'll switch it. That makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. So we'll first we'll watch Alien Nation, mm-hmm. which I now have Rhythm Nation stuck in my head with Alien Nation <laughs> as the lyrics. So Not that's going to be weird. Then Rushmore. Uh-huh. Then we'll be watching 2008's Changeling. Which is an Angelina Jolie, Angelina film. Jolie film, right? And then for the last week of October, mm-hmm. it'll come out on the twenty fifth. We'll do a Halloween v Halloween. Maybe we'll watch more of them. How many of them have you seen? Oh my god, I think I've seen. I saw the second one, and it actually was pretty good because it has a really creepy setup. Yes, She's, I've seen Halloween right. and Halloween two. Right, which is you know ugh, that one. Gets I've me. seen Halloween H two O. Right, wherein. Is it Coolio? Buster Rhymes? It's Buster Rhymes. Right. Utters the phrase, trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen the Rob Zombie remake, the first one, but not the second one, which I actually thought was very good. Okay, but here's the thing. His aesthetic bothers me. You don't like his aesthetic. I want I get to it. comb everyone's I hair. I understand. It's like, why does it look mm. like hairs in your face? Can you wash your Meanwhile, hair? Meanwhile, they just look it's like they're related to grungy, me, so it's fine. <laughs> grungy. It's like the whole film is populated by carnies. Yeah, and I, then, <laughs> and so those are the those are the Halloween films mm. I've seen. I've never seen Season of the Witch, um, which is a movie that doesn't have Mike Myers in it, so I mm. don't even really understand why I, it's I, it a Halloween film. Building a franchise, and they're just like, hey, we can sell more tickets and we call it Halloween 3. That used to happen. It's so weird. It used to happen all the time. Uh, so, But I've never right. seen that one. But so, so we'll at least do the original and mm-hmm. the most recent um, uh, in Entra. Uh, the Jamie Lee Curtis comes yeah. back and fucking kicks ass, hopefully. I think it looks awesome. Uh, it's weird that that mask has wrinkles in it, though. That's that's a weird thing. Well, <laughs> it, it, yeah, I, I just there has to be texture in it uh, after all this time. It's almost like his age. It's his but it really, he's been in a... In a, anyways, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll talk about it when we right, talk well, about yeah, it. Yeah, so, we don't know what the thing, what, what's going on with the film. So we're, so. we're going to start first with Alien Nation next week. Alien so Nation. that'll be our October plan. It's a really subtle title. That, that title is so subtle. Um, which I also get uh, confused with Enemy Mine. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with me. Some kind of reptile. So if you have questions, concerns, comments, you can reach out to us on Twitter at LatecomersPod. You can email us at LatecomersPod at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook page and a Facebook group, you know, because we're special like that. We are. Uh, Lemuel's book is on sale at Amazon. It's called Sealing Night, a psychomantium. Good luck spelling that. You know, it's... (laughs) (laughs) There's a link in the thing. There's always a link in the thing. It's going to be Halloween. You should use it like a Halloween stocking stuffer. There you go. Buy copies, give them to your friends. 
wraps them in fake cobwebs. Right, read them to your kids at night and keep them up. I don't know if the kids is a thing. Yeah. You use a lot of big words. It's it's educational. All right, that brings us to the end. We thank you very much for listening this long because we've been talking a while. And are we interesting? (laughs) We'd like you to remember: better Better late late than than never. never. We are really interested. I won't deny.